Hello and welcome to the UFO Thinker podcast, part of the Core in All Beings Cab Network. My name's Frank and let's get cracking with some recent events. Uh, it's another solo mission today, just myself talking about what's been happening. So essentially, there's not some great news uh, to start off with in terms of what's been going on recently, I'm afraid to say. Uh, I'd talked about what I called Schumer shenanigans, uh, which have been going on recently, uh, having to do with the, the Schumer Amendment containing some some very encouraging and, and uh, interesting sounding UFO, UAP related language. And the Schumer shenanigans referred to the various key people uh, who have who've been putting everything into place that they possibly can to actually stop this amendment, as it turned out. Now, uh, the Schumer shenanigans situation, un- unfortunately, has turned into Operation Kill Bill, as uh, Chris Sharp in Liberation Times has, re- has reported over the last couple of days. And I'm sad to report that Operation Kill Bill appears to have been a success. Uh, obviously, the the reference there is to a Quentin Tarantino film by the same name, and uh, the bill, in terms of the legislation, has been killed, unfortunately, by those who were attempting to do just that. You win some, you lose some, and in this case, um, as as Chris puts in his Liberation Times article, which I recommend everybody go and check out because it's got a lot of key information beyond what I'm going to discuss here, uh, but as Chris says, quote, there's no way to spin it, this was a defeat. Key unidentified anomalous phenomena, UAP language, contained within the National Defence Authorisation Act, NDAA, for fiscal year 2024, was brutally killed, removing any semblance of meaning. People versus defence contractors and the intelligence community. Oversight versus corruption. Democracy versus special interests. The latter, in each case, won. The controlled disclosure campaign killed. The independent review board dedicated to the disclosure of UAP information and materials killed. The authority of eminent domain wielded by the US government over any materials or biological evidence of unknown or non-human origin killed. New whistleblower and witness protections killed. Enforcement of subpoena killed. Amnesty provision for defence contractors and other entities in possession of UAP-related material and involved in illegalities? Killed. I think you're noticing a theme here. That's enough from the article uh, directly, and I recommend, like I say, reading the full article. uh, is very, very well put together by Chris in terms of what the impact of this legislation being shut down actually is. Um, But I think at this stage... You know, Senator Chuck Schumer him, himself, uh, the the Senate leader. Um, you know, it, it's quite clear that they they weren't able to break through. You know, the the barriers of secrecy on this occasion. Um, you know, Chris's article goes on to explain that their sources actually point towards the CIA and defense contractors pinpointing some of the the key uh, figures who have the 
ability to be able to shut this down uh, and and basically go against the wishes of other members of congress including senators schumer and mike rounds um who who generally have, have appear to have fought very hard to pass this language intact and unfortunately were not able to do so and the key um the key individuals uh, who i've talked about recently uh, in, in quite a bit of detail in previous episodes so i won't go into that now uh, but they are known to have um you know which is not just a theory or a kind of a, a you know a feeling that this might be the case it's factual information that they have um significant funding from defense contractors so there does appear to be a pretty clear correlation there and a clear conflict of interest you might say there is some Slightly positive news regarding what language has actually gone through in terms of this legislation, uh, which is that Section 1687, which referred to the, the limitation on the use of funds for certain unreported programs, uh, that particular language was aimed at kind of uh, you know, choke, choking off and, and stopping the, the use of funds authorised for any activities related to UAP unless the Secretary of Defence um, provides details of, of what it's being used for, these particular activities, to specific uh, congressional committees and, and the leaders of, the, of, of those committees. Um, and also, uh, it, it, it sort of imposes a, a limitation on, on what independent research uh, can take place and and the the research and development funding for UAP and, and again unless that information is actually made available to the, the the various congressional committees that need to know about it, um, unfortunately, the language no longer includes the le- the initial level of detail that was being put forward, um, specifically about recovery and reverse engineering of UAP craft, um, but it's at least something. Now, it, I'm afraid it does make for pretty depressing reading, unfortunately. Um, it is what it is. You can't polish a turd, as we say. Um, not the most uh, highbrow phrase, but it's a phrase that in this case, unfortunately, appears to uh, paint the picture. Um, unfortunately, this basically leaves the door open to further use of national security as an excuse to basically keep anything secret if it's felt to be necessary um which obviously has has already been happening to a certain extent and will continue to happen uh, from the looks of this however this was never really going to be um you know a one and done thing okay that's it we've got disclosure job done so it's not quite as simple as what I've just put forward. There are other things to consider here about how things could move along going forward. So don't worry. It's not all doom and gloom right before Christmas. You know, Santa Claus has been killed off. It's not that bad. You know, we'll be all right. Um, and I'll go into some of the, the, the things that this could lead to and why actually some of this has been quite interesting to see. Um, I think the key thing here was that Schumer himself uh, had said you know about this language that was being proposed and whatnot that americans have a right to learn about technologies of unknown origins non-human intelligence and unexplainable phenomena we're not only working to declassify what the government has previously learned about these phenomena but to create a pipeline for future research to be made public and the specific language used in the amendment uh, required that all federal government records related to unidentified anomalous phenomena should be preserved and centralized for historical and federal government purposes 
and also going into uh, the fact that any US federal government records related to UAP should carry a presumption of immediate disclosure with the intent that they should be eventually disclosed to enable the public to become fully informed about the histories in uh, the history of the federal government's knowledge and involvement surrounding unidentified anomalous phenomena. So I think a key thing here is that, yes, it's not worked on this occasion, but I think one thing that we have to remember is that you know, we've had a pretty good run over the last few years with these things being put forward into legislation and essentially sailing through. On this occasion, that wasn't the case. Although it's worth mentioning as well that there have been things stripped out of, of wording and things like that in previous years. But I think overall, it's been deemed to have been a success for the last few years in terms of what UAP legislation makes it into the final approved version of, of the bill. And, and obviously, that hasn't happened on, on this occasion. But what I would I would say is worth remembering is that the intent is there. You know, everything that I've just mentioned just now about the Schumer asserting that the Americans and obviously an extension of Americans is the wider public because if the Americans learn about something like this it goes around the world and Schumer has as as asserted that he is committed to uh, you know the, the people of the world having a right to learn about these these things and obviously what happens in politics is you don't win every single time you know, there's been remarkable steps forward over the last few years, but on this occasion, the intent was there. The actual what the purpose of all of this was for was there, but unfortunately, it just didn't it didn't work out. But that doesn't mean that the politicians that are involved in this, those that are that are actually pushing for transparency, doesn't mean they're all just going to go. Oh well, never mind. Then we tried, failed. Is what it is now. It's actually going to, in some ways, have have the opposite effect to that. Now. I think one of the the key losses here, um, which we well, well we might as well focus on the losses because this is one of those moments where we didn't get what we want for Christmas. We got the lump of coal. I don't know if everybody else is familiar with that around the world, but we have this thing in the UK where we talk about Father Christmas coming down the chimney at Christmas to bring presents for the children and all this kind of thing. And if you've been a good boy or girl, you get. Uh, all the presents that you wanted and if you've been bad you get a lump of coal now i don't think we've been bad but we've got the lump of coal <laughs> so unfortunately that's the reality of it and it's worth just thinking about what the key losses are that we have unfortunately um you know seen uh, happen in in the shoot down of this bill um so the idea originally was that there was a, a uap records review board uh, which is another one of those horrible acronyms, which in this case is U-R-R-B. Definitely doesn't roll off the tongue. But the idea was that this board would be established and it would be an independent agency that would provide oversight uh, regarding whether any records related to UAP um, could potentially be candidates for postponement of, of disclosure, it was described as. So, like I was saying earlier on, everything should have a, a presumption of immediate disclosure and this board would have the opportunity to decide if there's anything that shouldn't be disclosed so it was like let's disclose everything apart from certain things that we'll pick out you know rather than the other way around which is we won't disclose anything apart from we'll give you a few dribs and drabs it would have been a complete reversal of the actual way things have played out in in recent years 
Obviously, that's not happened, unfortunately. Instead of the wonderful Christmas present wrapped up with a bow, we got the lump of coal, which is, we just didn't get it. So it is what it is. Um, but Dave Grush has been back on News Nation talking about how now that the legislation has failed, uh, the president potentially could take executive action to instate such a body um, to advise on the best course of action. Obviously, you know, we'll see whether or not that actually takes place. If I'm honest, I, th- I feel like that's a slightly optimistic um, thing to, to think about. I don't see it personally. Could it happen? Potentially. But that would require the president and the White House in general to actually come out openly in support of transparency, which has not been the tactic that's been used so far. If anything, I would suggest that Biden has really tried to distance himself from this um, and really hasn't been very outspoken about it. In stark contrast to um, to Obama, who's actually been very outspoken about it, particularly since leaving office. So it'd be interesting to see if Biden in, doesn't actually end up carrying on as president. If he does leave office, what will his what will the you know the the change be there? Uh, will it be a continuation of his current um, way of doing things on, around this topic, or, or will he become more outspoken in the similar way to Obama did? We'll see. But Grush is definitely not happy in general. Uh, obviously, you know he would have been keeping a close eye on all of this, and Grush has described it as one of the biggest failures in the history of Congress. Strong words indeed. Um, but there's also more to come from Grush apparently, and this may be the Christmas present we were all hoping for in 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 a, in a different guise. So Grush has has now revealed that he does indeed have some first-hand information that he's had access to because there's been a lot of discussion about this Grush being um you know a high-level intelligence officer who recently came out to disclose that he has um he, he has part of his official capacity over the over recent years was to actually look into this and um he, he's found very compelling evidence um that there is you know non-human vehicles and, and biological entities i've been into it in a lot of detail so again i'm not going to go into all of that again now but grush has got a, an absolutely verifiable background he is who he says he is and he he has brought forward some extremely um you know explosive claims about the things that he's seen but he's been a bit hesitant to talk about whether or not he himself has got first first hand information you know a lot of people have described including myself described him as a second hand witness he's spoken to the first hand witnesses um, but he himself has been very cautious to go into what he's had access to directly but now he seems to be being a little bit more outspoken about the first hand information that he himself has seen and he's now apparently working on an op-ed so it's like an opinion piece, apparently, uh, an article, it would seem. Um, I suppose it potentially could be a video, but I would suggest most likely an article of some type, um, which he's planning to release in the next week or so. So there we go. That's the early Christmas present that we were all hoping for. Maybe we'll get it after all. Um, it's worth repeating at this stage that we have to remember the Inspector General found david grush's case to be credible and urgent you know bear that in mind this is the same inspector general who was who was supposedly heard evidence from these first-hand uh, individuals first-hand witnesses if you like as to where this ufo material and 
you know intact crafts and biological material is being stored you know the, the specific locations now I'll, co I'll come back to that later on probably in a bit more detail but just think of that uh for a second you know grush himself um has has already been to the inspector general and also brought forward some of these quote-unquote first-hand witnesses to the inspector general and as we know the inspector general found the claims to be credible and urgent or found the case should i say to be credible and urgent so very uh very interesting but some more sort of reactions to all of this tim burchett was on his usual fiery form uh, openly sort of stating that his colleagues had been uh compromised as he puts it referring to a very small number of folks who were active in shutting down this legislation um despite having that overwhelming support from all but a few key gatekeepers the legislation obviously uh, got derailed and let's face it if you wanted to influence politics let's just say you're a major defense contractor who wants to keep a secret you know that's what you would do isn't it that's what i would do you know get a few key gatekeepers in your pocket you know it's you wouldn't try and get everybody on board because it's impossible and it's not you know it's not effective but you know you definitely would want a few key people in certain very important positions who would have the power to be able to shut something like this down if it ever came up and it's sad to say but it looks like that's what the situation is here daggummit as as tim burchett says and i'd never actually heard that phrase before uh until quite recently when tim burchett started saying it but he's he's he, you know i think he's uh I don't know if he's made that phrase up or if it's an existing phrase, particularly in the the south of the US. But if anybody knows, let me know. Um, at UFO Thinker on X and uh, UFO Thinker at protonmail.com or UFO Thinker at hotmail.com. Let me know. I'd be quite interested to find out. Is daggummit a typical phrase? I, pr I presume it, it's like a modification of, of, uh, of God damn it, because that's not seen as a. Uh, you know something that's acceptable to say like who knows anyway i'd be interested to find out if anybody has a background on that particular phrase i, th I think we northerners in the uk are kind of comparable to southerners in the us in some ways we have our own phrases and traditions and accents and i'm a bit of a northern country boy you know chopping my firewood walking in the hills and all this kind of thing spent my childhood exploring abandoned canals and fishing playing hide and seek um but anyway, that's that's another story for another day. The main point is, straight talking Burchett has uh, has been sort of even more convinced than ever about the the cover up, and you know he actually described in a recent interview with News Nation that the Pentagon has has never passed an audit. He stated that over half of their assets are unaccounted for, and what's pretty clear is that there's a lack of of transparency over what the public's money is being spent on. Um, and that's not just a lack of transparency in terms of the average guy on the street not knowing what the Pentagon is spending their money on, because you might think, well, that's kind of, you know, that's obvious, isn't it? Like, I don't know what the UK MOD spend the money on. But what we're talking about here is Congress, the people who are actually elected to represent the people and get answers on behalf of the people and to represent the people's needs and that kind of thing. And those people in congress are even not being told the full story of what uh, the pentagon is spending its money on there's there's an oversight issue here there's a there's a lack of accountability you know there is a corruption of what the proper pathway is supposed to be 
for information, for money, and it's concerning. And I think, again, some secrecy is understandable, given the national security aspect and you know certain things that should be kept secret. But I think the balance is you know, demonstrably way off at this point. Um, you know, e- even those politicians who are not even remotely interested in UFOs or the topic in general are starting to see this. And it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out, uh, you know, specifically relating to UFOs, but also outside of that too. And I think let's go into some main takeaways of what's actually happened here, despite the legislation being sort of torn to ribbons at the last minute, if there is a silver lining to be here, which I've been looking long and hard for over over the last week or so, um, if there's a silver lining to be had, it's as follows. So there's a certain aspect to this where people and organisations, you could say, and whatnot, have shown the true colours. You know, just the fact that this legislation got to the brink, it sort of forced secret keepers to act in a way that sort of laid bare what's actually going on here. That, in some ways, is a pretty huge verification for David Grush. And, you know, I suppose you could say a lot of various other people through the years as well, but particularly Grush, given the recent nature of of what he's brought forward. I'd argue that what we've seen completely tallies with what Grush has said about the lack of oversight, about the certain key defence contractors who have obviously been shown to sort of wield a certain amount of influence here. Um, So I would say this is actually quite a good verification of, of, you know, where to look. And obviously, as we know, Dave Grush has mentioned Lockheed very specifically, Lockheed Martin, um, on Joe Rogan, which is, again, even he thought it was wild that he was able to say that, but it seems clear that's the direction. And obviously, these some of these key people have, have received direct funding from Lockheed. So, you know, it certainly seems to be, you know, getting clearer and clearer where we need to look for this stuff. Um, Lou Elizondo, a name that I've not mentioned on the podcast for quite some time because he's kind of slipped into the background, um, apparently doing a lot of work in that background, but in the background nonetheless. Uh, Lou Elizondo recently posted on X, Quote, have no fear. We have already a plan B, plan C, and so forth. We know now where the vulnerabilities of the beachhead lie and where the incoming fire is from. This is extremely important and valuable for disclosure, unquote. Um, So basically saying that what's actually happened here is, is that in some ways, you know, this has kind of smoked out those who are working on behalf of the secret keepers to some extent, at least, I would say, though, that, you know, the the trouble is here is that whilst applying political pressure and activism efforts are a good thing, I would suggest that it's something to be quite careful about how to apply that pressure. For example, ad hominem attacks on social media is absolutely not something I personally would recommend, certainly something I don't engage in. My own approach on that kind of thing has to been basically to never use that kind of communication with anyone ever, even if I completely disagree with them and they're completely bang out of order in what they're saying, I just don't engage at all and just refrain from using abusive language towards people and things like that. Um, The reason being is that it's just simply not productive. If you're leaving a torrent of abuse for a a certain person who you believe is involved in the cover-up, well, 
you got to bear in mind, first of all, that you might be venting frustration by posting on social media to this person's account, but at the end of the day, they're probably not even going to read it themselves. It'll be a social media team who will just see it, take one look at it and ignore it. And that message stays up there, you know, for other people to see and doesn't paint a great picture of what generally UFO activists are all about. And, you know, bearing in mind, that's not to say that everybody should do what I do. You know, I'm just expressing my approach. Um, But just bear in mind that if politicians are harassed on social media, you know, in, in a certain way that goes beyond the line into being unacceptable, that's kind of playing into the hands of those who would love to paint folks who are inter- interested in this topic as sort of tinfoil hat wearing crazies. You know, I, I was on BBC Radio 2, the biggest radio station in the UK. Okay. What happened? X-Files music. You know, I was, I was glad to be um, on that platform talking about UFOs and, and presenting a rational, sensible approach to the topic and so on. Um, but if we want to see a change where mainstream media takes on that rational, sensible approach and you know it becomes a topic for mainstream discussion, in my humble opinion, we shouldn't approach activism in a way where we start you know, slating people and, and using abusive language towards people, etc. We should approach it in a way where we, where we present facts rationally and reasonably and avoid throwing around insults bad language and you know try and make sure that we present the conversation in the way that we would like to have it like adults like a a stern conversation sometimes not saying we have to agree with everybody disagree all you want but I, I personally i think that's very important that's also not to say i'll disown anybody who doesn't use my approach you know it's each to their own and i understand the frustrations i'm certainly not going to block anybody on x if they if they don't do things the same way that i do for example do it well we're all grown you know adults at this stage and that kind of thing but look at those who have been the most effective in pushing progress for this topic and what was their approach and i'd argue that you won't see insults and rants Instead, when things don't look good and you know things aren't going your way, you get back to the bloody grindstone and get to work. And that's, I think, what will be happening right now behind the scenes. Um, despite this damp squib, um, just just quick side tangent on damp squib as well because this is definitely a damp squib. Um, I, I just I thought I'd explain it just in case anybody's not familiar with the analogy. So a squib is is a, another word for a, a firework, and if you have a damp squib, it's a firework that won't go off. This unfortunately, this whole situation has been a bit of a damp squib. It was a firework that we were all uh, looking forward to seeing light up the sky and it didn't even go off so there we go i just thought i'd mention that because sometimes i say these phrases and people end up messaging me saying like what are you talking about what's one of them so now you know i don't know if that's actually a british thing specifically or if it's used around the world but there you go i think some people often get it mixed up with a damp squid which makes no sense because <laughs> i think all squids are damp anyway so all of this was expected i think to some extent you know, in terms of we didn't expect no pushback, but I think what unfolded was unprecedented. And, you know, I, I would have said that even months ago, I was saying that we should expect unprecedented pushback to go hand in hand with unprecedented progress. And those who were keeping the secrets are damn good. 
And not only that, they've been doing this for a long time. And if, if you know, what we hear is, is correct, they've been keeping this kind of thing secret for 70, 80 years. Momentum is on their side. You know, I, I expected resistance. I expected pushback, diversions. But I think what we've seen is quite unexpected in its extent. You know, the whole thing's been basically torn to ribbons. And also, I think it's important to remember what the various hype merchants have said, you know, don't follow hype if you actually want any truth or, or real answers. No, again, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with a bit of hype. I quite enjoy the sort of like, oh, something big's coming tomorrow, you know, like the 12 noon thing. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that to an extent. Like, it, there's nothing wrong with getting excited about something and, and doing a bit of publicity because we do want discussion. But, you know, there's also a different type of hype which seems to be a bit more cynical in its motivation. At best, I think these type of hype folks uh, are in it for the clicks, you know, are willing to hype something up till the cows come home and are either using, you know, faulty analysis or even worse, deliberately promoting known fakes in some cases. Um, and, I, and I'm not talking, by the way, about any of the folks that I've mentioned recently on the show in terms of bringing big f- stories forward like Corbell and Knapp and Chris Sharp and people like that who, who who express predictions as to what they think is going to happen or that they let you know there's a big story coming. That's okay as long as the story is well presented and it's worth bringing forward in the first place. And even if you judge the story is not worth bringing forward, then I just think in some ways we should expect that not every story is going to blow us away. You know, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with bringing stories out, new cases and so on. We, we need that, you know, and there's a difference though between that and people who I think knowingly promote fakes and things and knowingly hype things up despite not genuinely believing that even what they're saying themselves. And I think at worst, I, I, going back to what I was saying, at best, people are hyping it up to get the engagement on social media, people in you know, people trying to build a following and, and this kind of thing. But at worst, we could be looking at deliberate distraction attempts to make people look over here while the real thing is actually happening over there, for example. And again, if what we're told and what we've we've heard about from various people is correct, you know, various intelligence agencies and groups actively spread disinformation manipulate the conversation on certain key topics even if you look outside of ufos this has been the case for a long time the private industry has a lot of sway uh, you know private groups intelligence groups within government there are a lot of competing interests and all are seeking to manipulate the information war as they say if this topic really is as secretive as as we're led to believe etc it would make sense that there are active efforts underway and obviously we don't know for sure which ones are that and each thing each person who brings information out whatever should be judged case by case but i would say you know based on my own personal experiences of seeing various claims come to the surface and then what happens to those claims down the line once the more you know people look into them more i think it's it's important to remember that anyone who claims to have all the answers and sort of really talks with certainty on this topic is probably a bit dodgy um you know an example of the kind of thing that i personally am very wary of is this mh370 footage which folks may or may not have seen i don't know it depends how much you follow social media and so on but 
summary is that there was a clip clip that surfaced appearing to show orbs surrounding the MH370 passenger jet, which is the one that disappeared. Um, and a particular individual um, sort of gained a lot of traction promoting that clip as absolute proof of non-human intelligence and absolute proof that the government had extremely advanced reverse engineering tech and so on. And I saw the footage early on and, and obviously I follow this stuff and I looked at it and looked into the case and what was being brought forward. And frankly, it was just red flags, you know, uh, for a lot of it really, to be honest. I mean, huge bombastic language, you know, massive claims with very little to back them up talking with certainty about this being absolute proof, despite there's been no sort of gold standard of, of, of evidence there and, and of, of case history there. And when I, when I say gold standard, as I've talked about before on the podcast, think about the Nimitz. So, obviously, the 2004 Nimitz Tic Tac incident, where you've got like essentially, you know, just a large number of highly credible witnesses, you know, reports of this stuff being um, picked up on various different sensor systems. You know, it's been looked at by uh, various groups within the US government and, and is still unexplained, despite them having access to the classified data that even the public haven't got. And, um, you know, it's, it's just it, all of it stacks up. There's even video footage of the object as well. Um, with, you know and and that kind of thing is what we're looking for as gold standard of a case that definitely wasn't the case here anyway loads of hype later um kim.com even dubiously got involved um to promote this and various kind of podcasts jumped on the hype train and lo and behold the footage ended up being declared fake you know even the key researcher who's presenting this case admitted that it was fake and you know now we can all move on but I think best to learn the lesson that despite sounding very, very convincing, despite being exciting, sometimes all that glitters is not gold. So moving on from that, Chris Mellon um, has been back on uh, social media again, posting, and put out a few a few uh, reaction tap tweets to what's been going on, which I thought would be worth going into briefly. So Chris Mellon has said, quote, hopes of forming a distinguished panel of experts on a presidential commission to review all US government UAP records were dashed by Representative Mike Rogers, chairman of the House Armed Services Committee. The reasons for his opposition are unclear. What was enacted were bans on funding for UAP activities not briefed to Congress, as well as a requirement for the National Archives to create a collection of USG US government UAP records. Neither requirement is likely to have a meaningful impact. Given the disinterest in the UAP topic on part of the Chairman of the House and Senate Armed Services and Intelligence Committees, further inquiries or hearings seem unlikely. The good news is that at least for now, Arrow, Galileo and others will continue their work. Unquote. Again, doesn't make for particularly um, happy reading. I'd say Mellon has, a, frankly, a bit of an optimistic take here uh, in terms of some of the things he said, which I don't necessarily agree with. At first, I think the reasons for opposition being unclear I think is perhaps a little bit... Um, it, you know, 
I, I think those reasons are clear. I think Mellon's being diplomatic was the word I was looking for. Um, I think Mellon is aware of the gravity of a of a accusation like uh, what Burchett has made in terms of of claiming that these people are compromised, um, and isn't willing to quite go that that far. Um, but I, I think if you look at this, the reasons for his opposition are quite clear. Um, and the other thing that I would suggest that I perhaps differ with with Christopher Mellon respectfully uh, on is that Arrow and the Galileo uh, project and others will continue the work. And Mellon frames that as good news. Frankly, I'm not particularly looking at Arrow or Galileo project in terms of looking for answers at this point. Long time listeners will probably remember that was very um, I was very optimistic about Galileo project for quite some time. But it's been very, very slow progress. There's been some quite concerning things from um, f- from certain folks that I've heard about in terms of um, uh, Diana Pasulka, who's a, a key academic in w- with a religious studies background who's written numerous books now, like American Cosmic, uh, had actually mentioned on Twitter that um, she had actually had uh, emails from the Galileo project, uh, essentially discouraging her from continuing her work, which is very concerning to think that an organisation like the Galileo project would do that, uh, and it, and it just seems extremely unlikely that um, Diana Pasoka is lying about that. It doesn't seem likely at all to me that she would just make something like that up. It's, it's not in keeping with um, who she is as a person. She seems very genuine um, and certainly not the type of person to, to do something like that for... I can't imagine any reason why she would even want to do. So that suggests that the Galileo Project are actively contacting academics who are researching this topic to discourage them from looking into it. That is concerning, given that the Galileo Project is supposedly an organisation that is you know, all about looking at this topic. Why on earth would you do that? It's a bit baffling. Arrow, as I've talked about on the podcast quite a lot, has um, you know, fallen from grace, shall we say. I'm not going to bother going into the detail now because I've done so many times in the past. But it's not an optimistic outlook from, from the, those two organisations' points of view, shall we say. Um, but what does happen now then? Because what what are we going to do at this point? Like, where do we look to to for answers? I think the thing you have to remember is that transparency advocates now will be working harder than ever. As I mentioned earlier on, the intent expressed in the legislation that was proposed was quite monumental. You know, we're not talking here about you know something that was a bit vague it could have mean could have meant this it could have meant that it was actually very very clear and that intent will remain even if the legislation was shot down in fact it will actually you know it it will encourage the resolve of the people who are actually working on this on on who are in positions to actually do anything about it you know whistleblowers you know are we going to see whistleblowers coming forward what does this actually look like that's the key question I've been asking. People talk about this a lot recently. Well, you know, if the legislation doesn't go through, we're going to see whistleblowers coming forward. But what what does that look like? And I honestly think this is an absolutely key point. Even Joe Rogan, you know, himself, after he'd had Dave Grush on, was kind of saying that, you know, some of the information's, you know, not, not first-hand and this kind of thing. Uh, various people who listened more to the point 
um, to the Joe Rogan episode were saying that, you know, all right, this sounds really interesting, but we want to hear from a first-time whistleblower. So how are we going to see a first-time whistleblower? Somebody who's, like, worked on a craft, somebody who has themselves seen a craft with their own eyes, uh, seen the reports on that, somebody who's read into a program to actually reverse-engineer that craft. How are we going to see that? Unfortunately, my... My thinking on that is not likely, but I don't want to sound like doom and gloom. Like <laughs> there's, there's a lot of things that are unfortunately are, are not too optimistic of an outlook. But I just I'm I'm trying to be realistic about what we're going to see. It's not a case of pessimism because I do think that we're going to see some very interesting things in the coming potentially weeks, um, and and months. But I just think we've got to be realistic about what we're likely to see now whistleblowers coming forward all this kind of thing are we going to see whistleblowers going public and so on what we have to remember is that whistleblowers have already briefed congress in in terms of people with direct involvement have given protected disclosures to key people in congress this legislation that we've seen wasn't so stern and so obvious and so blatantly about non-human intelligence with all the various mentions that were included it wasn't it wasn't written like that randomly. It was written like that because the key people involved in putting this legislation together have heard from the direct first-hand witnesses. These people have, have already briefed Congress. I mean, if you think about even some of the language we've seen in previous years, you know, pre-Grush, that language wasn't written in a vacuum either. It was written by people who have had access to a lot more information than what we, the public, have. And that's what has actually shaped this legislation and got us to where we are now. And these whistleblowers have already briefed key individuals. And that is very important to remember that there's a big difference between that kind of quote-unquote coming forward and going public. So Colonel uh, Philip Corso went public, you know, sort of threw caution to the wind, essentially, you know, and just decided to let it all hang out there. And, you know, is that something we could see with a future whistleblower? Is there an argument to say that if somebody actually did that, that the prosecution of that individual would go some way to actually verify their claims? Like if somebody comes out and says, I was a scientist who worked on a flying saucer, and then they get thrown in jail a couple of months later, it's almost disclosure, isn't it? But would somebody be willing to make that sacrifice, I suppose, is, is the question there. Uh, and and would that happen indeed you know lazar's argument was that you know he, he sort of claimed to reveal his identity so that to protect himself basically so that if anything to actually happen to him it would be obvious that he was telling the truth and, and the secret keepers wouldn't risk doing that because it would be an admission that his claims were were valid um, in some ways the most effective defense that the secret keepers could have with somebody like corso or somebody like lazar would be to just not say anything it's one person, they've not got a verifiable background because they've essentially done things that you could say are illegal. They've, they've shared classified information that's the utmost importance to national security. Again, depending on whether or not you believe that they actually did that and the claims are accurate or not, still, nobody's going to come out and back them up from the inside. Nobody who's current or in a position to be able to verify any claims can do that. 
because they've shared information that they shouldn't have shared. Nobody's going to back that up. And that is the key difference with Grush because Grush has got that. We can verify his background. People like Cal Nell, who've held extremely senior positions, uh, have been able to actually come out and say, yep, that's right. What he's saying is essentially correct because he's done things the right way. People who are... Who, who, was, who are in positions to know are able to verify what he's saying because he's done it the right way. He's not done anything illegal, so they, they, they don't have any problem verifying it. Let's take a moment to go back to what I was saying earlier on to remember exactly the level of detail that whistleblowers have already provided to certain members of Congress and the Inspector General. So Grush, at the hearing earlier this year, under oath, on camera, live to the world, was asked, do you believe the government is in possession of UAPs? The answer was, absolutely, based on interviewing over 40 witnesses over four years. The follow-up question, and where? And the answer to that, I know the exact locations, and those locations were provided to the Inspector General, and some of which to the Intelligence Committees, I actually had the people with the first-hand knowledge provide a protected disclosure to the Inspector General. So, very significant. I mean, I would suggest that we have to remember that this has actually already happened. Protected disclosure, as set out in the previous year's legislation, has already happened. That protected disclosure has taken place to certain people who were cleared to actually receive that information. When we see things like this proposed language being so upfront about asking for the info on, on human intelligences, etc., that is where the language has come from. You know, the, the politicians who've had this information presented to them, they're not just going to say, oh, well, okay, never mind. Well, we, we know all this very key, direct information. We know the locations. Uh, you know, we know all this kind of thing. We've spoken to the first-time whistleblowers, but ah, never mind. The legislation didn't go through. They're going to be as furious and disappointed as anyone else, perhaps even more so. So I would say that's one to keep an eye on for 2024. It's also worth considering, though, the, the personal sacrifice for someone to come forward in a more public way than that, because here they've gone protected disclosure to Congress, to the Inspector General. That's all behind closed doors. But even if you go through all the legal channels like Grush, he's he's openly come out and said that he's in fear for his own life. You know, this is a, a very large gentleman with a background in the military is in fear for his own life. That's something that must have been pretty significant for that to happen and you know intimidation you know there's various other people who, who have, have spoken out about this topic and their involvement in it where dr jacobs for example who, who witnessed the uh, the missile shoot down uh, way back decades ago uh, claimed to have had his, his letterbox exploded uh, on fire you know midnight checking calls you know over and over again intimidation tactics i personally can't see anyone with direct involvement in reverse engineering program coming forward openly and directly to the public going on podcasts i've thought long and hard about this i've debated various um you know friends and colleagues behind the scenes about this over the last couple of weeks i just think the personal risk wouldn't be worth it given that nothing they'd say would get cleared to be discussed in an open hearing anyway i'm not actually sure we should be holding our breath for that moment because 
you know, there's a, there's a good reason why the marathon, not a sprint analogy, is quite accurate and appropriate in this case. You know, it, it it's not a short sprint; it's a long endurance race. You know, we all crave more info. We all want disclosure, whatever that sort of vague term actually means. But we should probably be, you know, realistic in terms of what kinds, what what extent of disclosure we're actually going to see in the short, the medium, and the long term. I'll come back to that a little bit later. But what kind of disclosure should we be actually be pushing for? I've been thinking about this a lot recently because we've been hearing about controlled disclosure, which would have been brought about by this legislation coming to pass. We thought we've heard about catastrophic disclosure, which would be if there's kind of some kind of you know significant leak that accidentally reveals the the full extent of this to the public, or at least you know the full extent of um, uh, of a certain aspect of it. But if full disclosure means to open all known information to the public. As I've said before, um, I, I don't really want that. I, and I'm sure most probably would agree that it'd be responsible, irresponsible to actually completely fling open Pandora's box. You know, I think what... And I was talking about this on, on Twitter uh, with somebody uh, today. I would I would say I advocate for what, what I would say basic disclosure. Now, I know that sounds boring. <laughs> I know that sounds like, what, basic disclosure? We don't want basic. We want deluxe disclosure. We want luxury disclosure. But the thing is, first of all, I feel like basic disclosure is the key stepping stone. We're not going to get full disclosure, quote-unquote full, whatever that means. We're not going to get complete disclosure. We're not going to get the key to Pandora's box. So why push for it? I think all we need is basic disclosure to kick things into the next gear, which would be uh, just an acknowledgement of non-human intelligence. That is what I would call basic disclosure. And then the thing is, is that what basic disclosure would do is massively accelerate the conversation. We don't need to know all the specifics to begin with. We just need basic disclosure. And that will be followed by uh, limited reasonable uh, carefully considered further disclosure i think basic disclosure would give a broad answer to humanity about our place in the universe which is what we all essentially want to know you know are we alone in the universe it's one of the biggest questions a human being can actually ask basic disclosure would give an answer to that without any risk to national security and i think it would also create more questions a basic disclosure would undoubtedly create more questions. That, that's kind of why basic disclosure would be important, though, because it would open the door to constructive conversation from the best and the brightest that humanity has to allow them to engage in an open conversation about how we approach further disclosure. You know, if if we, as an example, if we stumbled upon the Manhattan Project... You know, there was some, a couple of leaks, there were some whistleblowers, and we found out about this project back in the day. Would it be wise to then go full disclosure on the Manhattan Project? No, of course not, because if, if you start to reveal how to how to construct an atomic bomb, exactly where we're up to with the atomic bomb, you know, what we expect to do with the atomic bomb once it's done, exactly the people who are involved in it, it would be a disaster, you know? And I think everybody would probably agree. The compromise, though would be to disclose the existence of the project and its broad aims without revealing the progress or you know the specifics to adversaries or terrorists or something. In my opinion, 
I think that that kind of thing, if there was a clearly demonstrable public interest and there was already a suspicion widely that this was a thing and, you know, that would kind of make it comparable to the UFO issue, you could exp- you could disclose the existence of the project without going into any of the things that might harm national security. And I think, and I said this on, on uh, social media when I was um, discussing this with somebody earlier today, just to clarify, I personally really, really want full disclosure. You know, just like everybody else, I want to satisfy my own personal curiosity as to what the hell's going on. That's why I have a podcast. You know, that that's why I look into this topic every day, you know. But I've just come to accept that it might not be the sensible or safe way to do it. You know, I also don't think it's realistic to think that it might happen, especially in the short term. So speaking of short term, let's go back to what I was saying a minute ago, short term, medium term, long term, what we're going to see, what we're likely to see, you know, what can we expect to see? In my, in my opinion, just saying, it's not that this is definitely going to happen. I certainly don't have a crystal ball. And as I said, I'm wary of anyone who's certain about anything in this topic. So I'm certainly not certain. <laughs> if that's a phrase, I'm certainly not certain. So in the short term, I'd say we're going to see a massive ramping up of engagement from lawmakers. You know, those who are already involved in this are going to be, um, you know, encouraged to, to go further. I think the people will feel like they're actually, you know, what Grush has said is is clearly correct because that's what this, this pushback has shown. And think about this. What is the next lot of proposed language in the NDAA for 2025 going to look like? I know it's a little while off. I, you know, I know it's tempting to think about what's going to happen in the very, very short term. But think about when we do get to a year from now and that language is being put through, what is that going to look like? And what we've seen in previous years is that when a legislation doesn't deliver, when it gets wriggled out of by the secret keepers, the following year's legislation is a significant toughening up of the previous one. And also worth, I think, bearing in mind on that point as well is that legislation passed largely intact in previous years but that still didn't actually mean that it was complied with. Let's not forget what happened to the UAP task force. It got watered down into the AOIMSG, and then it got watered down even further into Arrow, all whilst they were committing openly, publicly, to doing a great job of fulfilling the legislation. In, in reality, though, they were doing a great job of not complying with anything in the legislation and, and watering everything down to the point that it was basically useless at this point. So... We, we do have to remember that even if this legislation would have gone through, it wouldn't have been a fix-all. There would have been wriggle-out attempts, no question about that. Um, so what's probably going to happen, though, is what's happened in previous years, where this this legislation was, you know, had a, an unprecedented amount of pushback. The next lot of legislation will be a reaction to that. that that's worth bearing in mind. We're also going to see, as I say, that reaction from the people who've worked very hard on this publicly, uh, you know, Tim Burchett, Schumer, you know, and that will be interesting to keep an eye on too. Are we going to see leaks, possibly? That's something that, you know, various people have talked about. They want to do things the right way, but if stuff's not done the right way, things might end up being done the wrong way. Now, again, I certainly wouldn't advocate for anything dangerous to get leaked, you know, but... In terms of what I was talking about earlier on, the responsible disclosure of things and things like that. But could a key document or a key bit of footage or you know something like that come out 
which would enable for the conversation to be pushed further down the tracks whilst not giving too much away that would be damaging to national security. I think there will be conversations going on right now about that and that will be interesting to see. And also, what is the plan B and plan C that Lou was talking about? Could it entail some of that that I just mentioned? You know, I think it's fair to say there was some some slight bending of the rules, even if the rules weren't broken, when it comes to getting those initial um, Navy videos uh, published out to the to the public back it all the way back in what was it two thousand seventeen? Um, you know, I think something like that might be in the works again. I'm just saying that I've not based this on anything that I've heard directly from the grapevine, but it's a possibility. And we have to remember that any any of those who actually know the extent of the cover-up are going to have half expected this and will have that plan B and C ready. Um, so we'll see, see what that consists of. And in the very short term, we're going to see David Grush's new opinion piece I think that will be quite explosive and it does seem to clearly be a reaction to this human legislation being shut down. So, like I say, let's see what Father Christmas brings on that one. In the medium term, I'd suggest that we might end up with a basic disclosure, as I outlined earlier. Personally, the time frame I would put on that is the next five years. You know, let's say, to round it up a bit, 2030. Now I can hear the groans from around the world as I, even as I've recorded this. I can anticipate the future groans of people hearing me say 2030. It's not an exciting time frame. Yeah. Many people would prefer to hear that disclosure is imminent, you know, it's in it's in the next month. But in my personal opinion, that is absolute fiction. You know, it's just there's no point getting excited about something that's not gonna happen. I, I don't like to deal in fiction. You know, if that's what you like, there are plenty out there that will feed you fiction. Um, but personally, I would say that that's what we're going to be looking at. Basic disclosure, as I defined it earlier on, at some point over the next few years, by the end of the decade. And long term, throughout the 2030s, on the way to 2040, I think that's where we'll see that expansion of that initial basic disclosure. You know, if if basic disclosure has been provided to humanity at large, you know, we would then start to see those discussions among scientists, religious leaders and politicians, which is the same sorts of things that various groups now like the Soul Foundation and so on, who are actually one that is worth being optimistic about, in my opinion. They're trying to put these discussions together already in advance of anything actually being a basic disclosure being revealed. But I think it's safe to say that once a basic disclosure has taken place, we would see that happening on a much bigger stage within the mainstream as such. And agreements would have to be drawn up at that point. After a basic disclosure, agreements would have to be drawn up by world powers you know, to prevent any wars breaking out once each shows the next part of their hand. And there would be really quite in-depth discussion about a safe way to be able to discuss what the extent of you know further disclosure could look like without damaging kind of treaties between countries without um you know without any catastrophic consequences and i think that would be years in the making after a basic disclosure had been wheeled out 
you would see years and years of legal wrangling between world powers to figure out what further can be revealed without anything bad happening, essentially. I think, you know, world powers might need to actually consult ordinary people, perhaps via a referendum um, to, to some extent, or whatever technology exists to gather public opinion at that point. Bearing in mind we're talking about mid-2030s here, for example. It's essentially for more than 10 years from now. A lot can change in 10 years, bearing in mind. Um, you know, I think AI will have a part to play. You know, calculating probabilities of each key aspect that could be disclosed is, I feel, something that AI will have an involvement in. There is no way you can calculate the, the, the potential benefit or the potential damage that a revelation could cause accurately at the moment. But in 10 years, will AI have the ability to do that based on tapping into um, you know conversations all across social media, all over the internet to, ga to gauge public perception on a certain issue and then calculate whether or not uh, a new information coming out about that particular issue um, calculate what impact that would have I think AI will be a huge part in that and I think we'll start to see you know even outside of UFOs there will be a lot more things like that that AI will, will play a big part in and you know also worth remembering that the moving parts in all this are considerable you know we're talking about 10 years the long term stuff's harder to, to predict of course you know the impacts um, you know, could could be could be quite considerable, and you know, one impact could have a knock-on effect as to what the next further disclosure could be, and you know, deliberations will be thorough, the time frame will be slow, the destination will be fascinating, and you know, I, I would like to hope, and um, I'm in my late thirties, and I would like to hope that you know I, I will still be here, you know, touch wood as we say, um, to see all of this. And it will be fascinating to see what unfolds. So you can see, you know, why I think that those talking about imminent disclosure are wrong based on what I've just said. You know, when the balloon shootdowns happened, people were actually expecting Biden to come out the next day and give a disclosure speech. To me, it's quite baffling. It doesn't really tally with the way that, you know, I, I see this going. But, you know, it's all just my opinion at the end of the day. Other opinions may vary dramatically. And this is one that I'd be really interested to hear what everybody else thinks. So let me know. Um, drop me a message, drop me an email, uh, put something on Twitter or whatever. Great to hear from people. I'm just expressing my thoughts. I could be completely wrong. And I think, um, you know, I, I hope that I'm not. Um, in some ways, I hope I am wrong, actually, because if that means that we get a, a, a rapid disclosure which takes place in the next few months, then... You know, fine, as long as it's a basic disclosure and not catastrophic. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to leave it there for now. Um, I hope everybody is doing well out there. And if, if you've enjoyed listening all the way to this stage of the show, just past the hour mark, you clearly are a hardcore listener of the podcast. And it's nice to still have you here uh, towards the, the tail end. Um, so uh, I hope that means you've enjoyed it. As I've mentioned before in the past, it might also mean that you've fallen asleep listening to my droning voice. So if that's the case, then sweet dreams. But if you've, if you've actually listened all this all this way through, then great to have you here, and I'm glad you've enjoyed it. Um, so I'm going to leave it there for today. As always, take it easy, stay curious, and I'll catch you in the next episode. 
UFO Thinker Podcast. Podcast.